Greetings, gamers. I'm Bedroth. And I'm Shootkapow. And you're listening to Very Good Music. A VGM podcast. Welcome back, Shukapow. That last level took us a little longer to get through than I expected. Kind of like Link, before you uh, go fight Ganon, you have to finish all the side quests first, and sometimes it takes an extra week before you're actually ready to rescue Zelda, huh? <laughs> yep. Takes quite a few purple Pikmin to lift up that doomsday apparatus, but here we are. Here we are. After a few different false starts and delays, we are back with episode 73, and we are talking, well, we, we just got through, as I mentioned, the final stage of this little game, and now who are we ready to face, Shukapow? The final boss. That's right. And you know that I couldn't get through this without uh, without playing a little bit of I'm the Boss by the Big Bad Bosses, as originally <laughs> yeah. recorded by, well, the Big Bad Bosses. Just look them up. Power Overwhelming is the name of the album. Look them up on YouTube. Uh, the songs were composed and written by Vert J. Kaufman. And the four bosses are voiced by several different internet personalities who all did a fantastic job. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. You and Dusk really used to enjoy that one back in the day. And that opening track, I want to give a shout out to my co-host on BG Mania, Brian, who recommended the Ultimecia battle theme from Final Fantasy VIII. I did a little bit of digging, and this is a track that plays whenever you fight a sorceress, such as Idea, the Elven Sorceress, and also Ultimecia's first form. Ultimecia is the final boss of Final Fantasy VIII, and I did say that we could pick a track that was not necessarily exclusive to a final boss as long as it still played during a final boss battle. So, there we are. Uh, final Fantasy VIII was composed entirely by Nobuo Uematsu, and it was released for the PlayStation in 1999 and published by Square. Thanks again, Brian, for that one. 
And the uh, I'm the Boss remix that we listened to was actually released by Game Chops. That was remixed by DJ Cutman in 2016. I think that takes care of all the uh, official stuff for those first few tracks. How's it going, Chukpao? It's going quite well, both IRL and in today's recording, because we have not yet cut out. <laughs> yep, that is pretty good. Uh, how have um, you been up to? A couple of fun things, IRL. Do you want to talk a little about what you've been going, what you've been doing, or you want to wait till the end of the episode again? Uh, I'll go ahead and talk about some stuff right now. We had senior directs at my school, which is basically a one-act play directed by a senior, and we had like four of those. So. I acted in one of those, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, we've been doing a lot of band practice, and this morning's rehearsal in particular was a pretty good one. We're really excited for Area. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, you guys have a lot of stuff going on in October. I've actually been trying to schedule some more driving time for you as you're on the home stretch to getting your license and it's been a struggle because they're they're doing it for three weekends in October, but two of those weekends you're doing marching band stuff. So <laughs> having to think outside the box. Um, I've been up to a few things as well. Uh, I just released an episode of the Movie Bar with uh, the Dyad. We talked about the Ace Attorney movie, and since that was our first movie based on a video game we brought in jason Ariola from multimedia failure and a few other podcasts uh actually rock out with your card out is a vgm podcast that jason does so kind of a sister show to ours along with a lot and lot a lot of other sister shows in the vgm podcast universe but yeah uh, the movie bar for anybody who doesn't know is a show where dyad and i talk about legal films and Ace Attorney was a really cool crossover episode. We actually then joined Jason and his crew on the Multimedia Failure episode where they talked about the movie because Multimedia Failure is a podcast all about video game movies. I would encourage everybody to check out both episodes, uh, The Movie Bar and Multimedia Failure. You can find them in pretty much any podcatcher. And of course, I am still on Beach Mania week in and week out with Brian. I'm not sure what is going to be posting the week that this episode releases, so I'll just ask you to go and check that out. But for now, what do you say we go ahead and get into your first track, Shukapau? Yeah, we did open with a little bit of Final Fantasy VIII, so I'm going to take a little bit of a step back, and we're going to play the absolutely iconic one winged angel from final fantasy 7 <laughs> we're gonna get the long one out of the way first uh, we have played a truncated version of this song back on the religion episode with prof jeff all the way back in season one i am gonna let this one play entirely so you can listen to one winged angel in all its glory and if you have heard it enough that you just really don't need to do that again it's about seven minutes long so you can fast forward and we'll get into uh, <laughs> the commentary on it. But, you know, you got to listen to at least a little bit of this. One more time, Shukapal. Give me the game, the track, and the composer. All right. Well, if you insist, this is One Wing and Angel 
from Final Fantasy VII, composed, of course, by Nobuo Uematsu. actually go ahead and talk some while it plays this is <laughs> obviously an iconic song uh, but yeah I-, I can't think of anything to say about this it hasn't already been said it's it's so cool of course it accompanied Sephiroth when he finally joined Smash Brothers Ultimate but what about you out of all of the final boss music out there why did you feel like you absolutely had to bring this one back well, I feel like it's just too iconic to leave out. Like, when you think of Final Fantasy boss themes, this is probably one of the first things that crosses anyone's mind. Because, I mean, 
Sephiroth is such a prominent character, especially now because of uh, Smash Ultimate. And this is... It has been long-renowned as one of the best battle themes in the Final Fantasy series. And one of the longest. And one of the most iconic video game themes, period. I mean... It's, uh, <laughs> I've actually heard a couple of different first episodes of EGM podcast talk about how they're going to play stuff kind of off the beat path. We're going to play different things. Like you're not going to hear one wig angel on this show. So it's popular enough to have a little bit of backlash, <laughs> which means <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely one of the greats. And yeah, this, it, it, it really bears repeat listening because there is a lot going on in this song. And Uematsu actually has talked about how he composed it kind of piece by piece and then sort of put the pieces back together in an order that he thought was cool. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so that's fun stuff. Speaking of composing, that's another thing that you have been up to this past week, isn't it? Yeah, I've been on a little bit of a composing spree. I'm working on a little trumpet trio that I'm gonna do a little bit of insane in the rain stuff on i'll record myself playing all three parts and uh kind of splice them together i'll look forward to that when that comes out i'm i'm really gonna play that one up and i've really enjoyed uh, i am i am writing the sheet music for that and flat.io where you can follow me for all of my other music i released a pretty cool little piece um a couple days ago and i'm probably going to release another one here in a few days yeah the piece you released a few days ago was really one of my favorite things you've ever composed it's it's just a really really good song uh, i if i heard it in an existing game i wouldn't bat an eye uh, it's called mangroves so if anybody goes to shukapow's flat.io page and hears that song um just just great stuff. I might might have to convince Brian to let me play it on an episode of BG Mania sometime soon. <laughs> it is actually pronounced mangrove like the tree. I should know. I said it 44 times. How did I pronounce it? Mangroves. I don't hear the difference. Maybe that's just me. Mangrove? Uh, mangrove? Mangrove? Okay, oh, kind of like mango, yeah. but with a with a ruh in the middle. Okay, mangrove. Yeah. Okay. It's a weird word. Well, that's just me and my weird pronunciation, like archipelago. <laughs> <laughs> that's a word for sure. A little bit of a callback there. <laughs> yeah, so I am going to uh, go ahead and move on to the next track that I have got. Once again, I took requests for all of my favorite tracks in this episode. Uh, that doesn't make sense. I took requests for tracks in this episode. Instead of just playing my favorite final boss tracks, I will give a shout out to some of mine toward the end of the show and maybe play a couple in the background like I did on the last episode. But I just, I really enjoyed the feedback and I want to give the listeners a couple of last chances to to dedicate songs to the show. So my next track, my first official track of the episode, I suppose, was recommended to us by Martyrus, the host of ReVGM. This track comes from one of his masters of VGM, Beatrice Martin, whose pen name is Cour de Pirates, or Cour de Pirates. And this track is Hymn 
of Light from the game Child of Light. That was Child of Light from the game... No, that was Hymn of Light from the game Child of Light. <laughs> Composed by Beatrice Martin and released on multiple platforms by Ubisoft in 2014. What did you think of this track, Shukapal? That was a pretty neat little track. It definitely had a more like orchestral sweeping feel than kind of the intense sort of driving track that a lot of the songs on this episode are but Mm -hmm. it really works honestly yeah and after another song or two i think we'll get into some of our favorite boss encounter final boss encounters and what it really means in our opinion to uh to face a final boss and uh, i might have a question for you around that time but yeah, in, in the meantime, this track, once again, was brought to us by Martyrus, the host of ReVGM, a podcast all about video game music that has been uh, rearranged, reorchestrated, and remade. And it's a really cool little show I would encourage all of you to check out. 
This track apparently plays as you're fighting Umbra, the Queen of Night, the one who stole the sun, the moon, and the stars that the main character Aurora was asked to retrieve in Child of Light. He says, This may not sound like a typical final boss track. However, having played the game from beginning to end, it certainly brings a great amount of satisfaction and closure to the trials and tribulations of Aurora. Words fail to explain it all. You just have to trust me and play the game to get the full effect. Well, thanks again, Martyrus. That was a that was a cool cool song coming off of One Winged Angel. Definitely has that you know that choir in in common. And uh, we're listening to a little bit of the instrumental version as you and I talk. But yeah, don't have a whole lot else to say about this particular track. Very, very nice to listen to. Really beautiful arrangement. Shukapau, do you have anything to say to sort of get us into your next track? How similar is it to what we just listened to? Well, it's definitely more of that kind of driving, kind of intense final boss theme, but it's also like a super sweeping orchestral kind of thing. I'm looking at your tracks and trying to figure out which one you mean. It could be a couple of these. (laughs) Well, let's see if you can figure it out here in a second. Uh, It makes great use of strings, and it really embodies the type of being that you're trying to fight. I'm going to guess that is this track by Christopher Larkin? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Tell us what we're listening to, Shukapau. Next up, we have the true final boss theme from Hollow Knight, The Radiance.
that was Radiance from the game Hollow Knight. An absolute just... I don't even know how to describe it. I forgot just how good the music from this game is, and this track does not disappoint. This absolutely does the Radiance justice from what I've heard of the lore. It's supposed to be kind of like this sun god kind of thing. So I will say, uh, as we get into this, for anyone who hasn't played the games we're going to be talking about, in case it wasn't obvious, we're discussing final bosses. So spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, Most of these games are pretty old, um, at least a couple or three years old. So if you haven't played them by now, then... I don't know. It, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's on you, but Shukapau, I was going to ask if you weren't volunteering, and it sounds like you are. Um, I'm okay being spoiled. Tell me about the final boss of Hollow Knight. All right. So it's supposed to be kind of this embodiment of the sun, I think, and the lore of the game is that the radiance is like getting in everyone's dreams and kind of like controlling their mind so the hollow knight which is uh like the boss you're trying to fight before this was made by the pale king the king of hollow nest the world where this takes place to try and trap the radiance so it couldn't like take over the kingdom so he tried to make a bunch of like husks a bunch of shells of bugs that had no feelings so that he could trap the Radiance in there to contain it so it couldn't, like, break out. But when he finally got, like, the perfect, uh, the perfect, like, host, it kind of failed because the host had, like, one thought and it was its love for its father, the Pale King. So, they locked the Hollow Knight in the Black Egg, which was basically like this big containment building thing, where they kind of kept it locked in there, kind of containing the Radiance, but also kind of not, because when you, the player, the Knight, arrive in Hollow Nest, everything's kind of, like, corrupted. A lot of bugs are either too far gone or like on the border of kind of like being mind controlled. And you see this later on with an NPC in the crystal area. I forgot what it's called, but the crystal mine area where over the course of the story, you see this character slowly like becoming corrupted by the radiance. So it's a pretty scary stuff, and this track embodies that a lot. Yeah, it's really big, really... It's got that air of mystery about it, like this is a truth too big for you to comprehend sort of feeling. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't make it too deep into Hollow Knight. I did make it to the Crystal Mine area, but I didn't make it through it, and then I moved on to something else, as I am wont to do. I know you have... Uh, you have beaten Hollow Knight, and you have gotten the true ending. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. 
uh, which like, is when impressive. You, this when is you, a hard game. Like this was one of the first things I was really, really impressed by your skills as a gamer when you beat this game. <laughs> Thank, uh, thanks. Sorry, I cut you off uh, though. Yeah. Uh, the way you get the true ending is by defeating the Radiance, and that's when you kind of like you use like the void inside of you because uh, to unlock the black egg you have to defeat the three dreamers who were kind of like the I want to say priests or something like that of Hallow Nest and they offer like a seal uh, on the black egg and then they kind of just like left themselves asleep in like three different locations so to unlock the seal you have to go and use the dream nail on them which is kind of like a nail because you know you, you use nails as weapons because if i haven't mentioned this uh, all the characters are bugs so they're really small so you use the dream nail to like get inside of their minds and you beat them up and then that breaks their seal so you can do all of that and then still go into the Black Egg, but you can't fight the Radiance if you do that. So if you get the Void Heart Charm, which to get it you need to defeat the... It's it's really convoluted. We'll just like watch a recap video or just play the game, honestly, because it's amazing and it's really cheap for what it is. But... <laughs> you you defeat the traitor lord which was a fourth mantis lord which they like kicked it out for I don't know being a jerk or something <laughs> so you beat that up which is a really tough boss fight and a character dies sometimes I think and so you get half of the king's uh, the king's soul charm and then you go uh, you get like an upgraded dream nail so you can go into the white palace which is a really annoying gauntlet of like saws and spikes that you have to navigate your way through and there you see like the corpse of the pale king and you knock him over and you get the other half of the king's charm so then you go into the abyss which turns out is where the Pale King put all of the failed, like, hosts, which there are a lot of, like, a lot. The entire ground is made of skulls. Ooh. It's a lot of husks. So, there you get a couple of upgraded abilities, and if you're wearing the King's Charm, it is upgraded into the Void Heart, which doesn't take up any charm slots. It's just there now. And so that's how you beat the Radiance, is you do the boss fight, and then get to the top of the like staircase thing in the second phase, and then you basically like explode into uh, like this big void thing, and you basically just like rip it apart. And so then after the boss fight, you just kind of like die. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is going to be like the last episode of Shoot Kabao Shoots the Breeze. <laughs> there there we go. That's all right. Two. That's all right. 
yeah, Shukapau shoots the breeze, indeed. Um, a whole third episode of that, although I don't think I'm going to be doing that sort of deep editing at this point in the show. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, that was, that was nice. I appreciate that you are going to have things to say about your tracks, because I won't have as much, as I said, to say about mine, but I'm really excited about them. I've only heard a little bit of each one, enough to know that I definitely... It was definitely worth playing on a show called What's You, Capel? Very good music. Absolutely. Let's get into some more very good music brought to us by our listeners. This one is coming from Rage Cage, the host of VG Emporium. We're going to listen to Todesengel, or Angel of Death. And this is from the game Saga Frontier 2.
was Tota Singel from Saga Frontier 2. This was released on the PlayStation by, again, Square in 1999. And this was composed by one of the, uh, one of Volt Supreme's Masters of EGM. Actually, was the master for several different people, Masashi Hamausu. And Hamausu is a name that has become pretty prominent in VGM circles. At this time, though, Hamuzu was a relative unknown. Uh, we'll get into that here in a minute, but first, Shukapau, what did you think of this track? That was a lot of fun. It feels a bit more, like, retro, I guess, than mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the other tracks on this list. Uh, it feels a little bit not, like, fleshed out. But it's probably just because of the choice of lead instrument, and also because I'm listening a bit turned down, so I can still hear you. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, this it doesn't have as much of the big booming like vocal and uh, organ, uh, like the super bombastic final boss feel to it. It is not the oldest track on our list. I've got a couple more that are just slightly older. But we are skewing a little bit newer this time. The oldest track that we have is from 1995 on the Super Famicom. So nothing uh, nothing super retro on this list. But uh, on that note, if there's anything that you feel like we missed, I don't think, unless I don't remember what you have on your list, we don't have any Ganon, we don't have any Bowser, um, but... Uh, the other two of the big bad bosses are represented and I am glad we have some outliers here. This is a very nice track though. And do you feel like this would be fitting for, for a final boss or do you think maybe it's not intense enough? Yeah, I think that's a good final boss theme. Cool. Very cool. Masashi Hamauzu may be most famous for his work on Final Fantasy 13, but he has worked on quite a bit of other stuff. Um, most recently on the game's Sin Chronicle, uh, an anime uh, called To Your Eternity, and on the Final Fantasy VII Remake. His first game, back in 1996, was Front Mission Gun Hazard with Nobuo Uematsu, Yasunori Mitsuda, and Junya Nakano. He then worked on Tobol No. 1 and Chocobo Dungeon, or Chocobo no Fushigina Dungeon, and then finally on Saga Frontier 2. Now, I actually today just watched an interview uh, with Kenji Ito, who is the composer of most of the Saga series and uh, another great composer in his own right. Uh, this one uh, was Hamauzu's first major solo work, and uh, it did feature live music recorded at Sunrise Studio in Tokyo. And... Uh, it was one of, I mean, since this was in the, the late 90s, of course, there had been video game soundtracks released before, but it was one of the biggest soundtracks released up to that point. A three-disc Saga Frontier 2 original soundtrack was released by publisher DigiCube. Um, the soundtrack features German track names uh, to keep with the game's Eastern European theme, and it was actually also reissued by Square Enix Music in 2006. Uh, so, yeah, not not a bad first big solo game. Uh, have you heard much at all about the Saga Get series um, over over the years? 
Not at all. Okay. The only thing I know about the Saga series is that it's an RPG series. Uh, I don't know anything about it except what I've gotten secondhand from other video game music podcasts. The music is really fantastic. The art looks cool, and the aesthetic is all like Anglo-Saxon and Germanic, and so it seems like something I would really enjoy. I just, I guess since I didn't have a PlayStation, I was never really exposed to it. So maybe one of these days we, we should check it out. Fun little track there. Thank you once again, Rage Cage. And I will have a link to BG Emporium, which is just a really cool video game music podcast in the show notes. But Shukapal, what are you going to be bringing us next? Next up, I think it's about time that we circle back to last episode, where last time we played the last level theme from Kirby's Return to Dreamland. I mm-hmm. think it's time that we play the final boss theme. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and lead us in, and when we come back, I'm sure that you'll have some more to talk about here. <laughs> We've been through seven areas in this adventure. We've been to Cookie Country, Raisin Ruins, Onion Ocean, White Wafer, Naughty Noon, Egg Engines, and Dangerous Dinner. If you've been paying attention throughout our journey, you'll know what that spells. From Kirby's Return to Dreamland, this is Crowned. Thank you. 
Yeah, right. And we're back. That was Crowned from Kirby's Return to Dreamland, composed by Hirokazu Ando and Jun Ishikawa, and released by Nintendo for the Wii in 2011. All right. Crowned. And you mentioned why uh, that is partially uh, pertinent here with the you know, being an acronym of the first letters of the other areas in the game. What else does a crown have to do with this final boss? The big MacGuffin of this game is the Master Crown, a very creative name from the Kirby team. Basically, like, I explained a bunch of stuff about Landia earlier, and, you know, how they wear this. And it kind of, like, combines them into one dragon. But Magalore's big, like, plan in this game... A little bit of a spoiler alert for this game that was released, you know, like, ten years ago. But is coming out with a remake soon, so I'm super excited for that, as I hope a lot of you guys are. So, Magalore crashes in Dreamland, and Kirby and his friends help him repair his ship so he can get back to Halkondra. There they fight Olandia, and they knock the Master Crown off of it when they defeat it. Magalore then picks up the crown and puts it on, which basically makes him god. Like, he he's pretty much all-powerful. He can do whatever, and he's basically just using his power to tear a rift between dimensions. And so that's when the Another Dimension level takes place. So once you get through that, you fight the Lore Starcutter in the side-scrolling shoot-em-up segment. And after that... Which the Lore Starcutter is Megalore's ship. Yeah, the Lore lore Starcutter is the ship that you repair throughout the first part of the game. And after that, you're in this, like, destroyed setting with uh, a star portal that you find throughout the game to go into these, like, grayed-out areas where you can fight these things called Sphere Doomers, but that's beside the point. There's a portal looking upon planet Popstar, and it really shows you how much is at stake here. Like, this is an all-powerful being, I think, on the levels of like, the Novas. Like, he can do pretty much anything. And in this final boss fight against Magor, it really feels like he's throwing his all at you. So, the the stakes are set, and it really feels like such a climactic boss fight, and this theme really does it justice. This is the Phase 2 of Magor's fight. Uh... The Phase 1 song, Under My Control, is a really, like, wild and driving theme that really lets you know that you're fighting uh, a really powerful creature. But it also hints that Magalore is a little bit scared himself. You can tell that he's, he's struggling to control the Master Crown's power. And after you weaken him enough in Phase 1, that's when the true nature of the crown 
finally takes over. It's It becomes really clear in Phase 2 that, as opposed to Magalore wearing the crown himself, the crown seems to be wearing him. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I just remember this being a really entertaining, really fun boss fight. Uh, like a lot of Kirby bosses, this is not one that's going to tax you too terribly. It's hard, but it's definitely manageable as you, uh, the more that you play it. And it's, it's definitely I mean, not as hard as games like Plant Robobot. Yeah. But, but it's a, it's a really cool, very well done boss fight. And Magalore's design, everything about him is just, it's, it's, it's cool stuff. What do you think it is about Magalore that makes him one of the most like popular of the Kirby villains. Well, he, like his implied um, acquaintance Marks, he has appeared a lot more after Return to Dreamland. He shows up in like some side games, Super Kirby Clash, GDD's Drum Dash at one point, and Kirby Star Allies. Yeah, he comes back along with pretty much every other <laughs> antagonist in the series in some form at least in uh, Star and Allies. Mm-hmm. And he he's just kind of a cute little he's a Kirby character. He looks really like adorable and like he's got that chibi style. And Until he goes all, you know, Eldritch Monster at the end, like most Kirby bosses. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He, I guess, Howl's just been throwing so many characters against the wall that some of them have to stick eventually. (laughs) Yep. You better not, not, uh, you better not try to throw Magalore against the wall, though, or he'll probably have something to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. Well, I I told you at one point that I thought you had played pretty much all of your songs before. Uh, I I will rescind that remark. The only tracks that you brought that I know for sure you played before, we played before, are One Wigged Angel and Crowned. Uh, we played this back on our Kirby Halloween episode, which I think was in our, would have been our second season, the last half of our first year of the podcast. But I don't think that we've actually played the other ones. I know that we have played a few pieces from one of the games that's coming up soon. But I don't think we've actually played the song that you're bringing. So, for now, it is actually time to get into my third song of the night. Yes, third song, because that was your third song. This one was brought to us by longtime friend of the show and of the community, Utopia Nemo. And after we play it, I am actually going to play a testimonial that Nemo brought or Nemo recorded for us himself. But first off, we are going to be listening to The Unexpected Enemy from Panzer Dragoon 2, Zwei, composed by Yayoi Wachi and released on the Sega Saturn in 1996, of course, by Sega.
Throughout the 16-bit era, Sega, my archetypal console underdog, had transformed its American branch into a juggernaut. They did this by aggressively breaking up Nintendo's stranglehold on the market through fostering strong developer and retailer relations. But more significantly, they brought attention to some fabulous games with cutting-edge, obnoxious marketing. I did not like this new Sega. I always looked to their Japanese market, which remained an underdog, and with their third-party devs continued to release inventive, niche titles that emphasized unbridled wonder and fun. By contrast, the American branch courted and probably helped usher in the growing 90s trend of emphasizing attitude, disrespect, bullery, darkness, coolness, and violence as entertainment. I just wanted to play games. As the 90s ground on, it became more and more clear to me that Sega was losing its way. The 32X was like a second Sega CD. It was clear they were not learning from mistakes. The looming PlayStation looked uncomfortably phenomenal and better at 3D than the Saturn. When my friend called me out of the blue to tell me the Saturn was at the local game store, my initial disbelief turned into dismay. It was very obviously one of the worst ways to release a system. Sega's early Saturn titles were rough. It was obvious the PlayStation had a strong edge on 3D polygonal gaming, as obvious as it was that 3D polygonal gaming was gaming's new future. Be that as it may, Sega's Japanese division still managed to emphasize that classic sense of wonder and adventure. Panzer Dragoon, while a bit choppy compared to its PlayStation competition, was a glorious adventure in the spirit of Miyazaki's Naushka and Frank Herbert's Dune. Sega's second round of games restored some faith in the company. Sega Rally, Virtua Fighter 2, and Virtua Cop mostly matched and in some places exceeded what the PlayStation was doing at the moment. But to me, the crown jewel of Sega's second round was Panzer Dragoon's Way. It was better than its predecessor in almost every conceivable way. The frame rate was almost always a solid 30 frames a second. The gameplay was deeper, the levels more inventive, more varied, the storyline deeper, the graphics more vivid. It was a marvelous game, and its last boss music was one of the best parts. If you don't know about the game, its aesthetic is part of its brilliance. It's set in a post-apocalyptic future where ancient technology is excavated and used by the Empire and its opponents to make war. You're a villager who happens upon a dragon, who by the decrees of the Empire should be destroyed or captured for study. Your dragon, whom you name Loggy, starts off as a walking bipedal lizard. As you progress, he learns to fly and you continually evolve him throughout the game. In the last boss fight, you destroy the Empire's main airship, but a secret awaits. They've been keeping a guardian dragon. As the airship explodes, they release the dragon to fight you. It's massive, probably more than 30 times the size of Loggy. But the whole thing is beautiful. The sun is waning, you're above the clouds, and you're flying through the heavens at a breakneck speed while fighting this beautiful, majestic creature to that music. It's a hard feeling to describe. Harder still is describing how I felt at that moment, as a teenager who loved a company that had become an empire that was now slowly crashing down around him, but as a last-ditch effort released this gem of a game for me to enjoy at the end.
Well, that was a surprisingly poignant story. <laughs> Thank you, Nemo, for sharing that. Chukpao, uh, what did you think of that track and that testimonial? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that... I I can kind of understand about the feeling of Sega crashing down as a company. I, I didn't have the same deep love for it that Nemo talks about. I was mostly a Nintendo kid, although I had really enjoyed my time with the Sega Genesis, and I, I loved Sonic as a character. Um, I had not, and still to this day, have not played any um, any Panzer Dragoon. I think the first one was recently re-released on, well, was re-released on the Switch, not necessarily recently, but uh, yeah, um, this is one of those titles that I've, I've known the name for a while, but hadn't actually experienced much of it. But yeah, that was really cool. Uh, you have much to say about the, the track itself? Nope. It's a bit of a strange final boss theme, but it's still very interesting. Yeah, and I think that, that Nemo kind of put it in context when we, uh, you know, when, when he talked about his experience with it. So, glad we had that. But I think before we get into our last couple of tracks each, it might be a good time to talk about, do you have any favorite boss encounters or really any truly memorable boss encounters that you would like to talk about? Well, on my last playthrough of Pikmin 2, I fought the Titan Weevil, which was a really an interesting little fight for sure. It's not designed too well, especially not as much as some of the bosses in Pikmin 3. And I, I had to restart a few times because I kept trying to have to work out my strategy because you have to bring your yellow Pikmin into the fight because every hazard, except for electricity, leaves your... Uh, it gives you time to save your Pikmin because they kind of like run around in a state of like panic basically so you have time to whistle them before they die but electricity just kills your Pikmin so the yellow ones are immune to electricity so they're the best choice to bring into the fight unless you're like really good at recognizing the electricity attack okay cool yeah I, I remember that final boss in Pikmin 2 was was really something. The the final boss in Pikmin 3, the the, the Plasma Wraith, I think it's called. Um, uh, the Plasma Wraith, yeah. Yeah, it actually gave me a little more trouble, mostly because of the time limits. That was annoying. Um, but as far as other final bosses... I don't know. I remember a lot of the really great ones. Um, some of the first ones that come to mind are Andros in Star Fox 64, uh, Ganon in The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, uh, 
Bowser in several different games, Super Mario World probably first and foremost, but then also Mario 64 and um, in Yoshi's Island, that Baby Bowser boss battle was, was really, really good. Like I said, I'm kind of a Nintendo fanboy, so those are the ones that really, really kind of stick out to me. Um, as far as I want to try to think about RPGs, the Gigas boss battle in Earthbound was just, it blew my mind. Like when I, I had, the game was sold with a strategy guide that I wish to heaven I still had, but that strategy guide is what showed me. I was trying to beat the final boss without any help, and of course I was just stuck because it's not super intuitive for you to all of a sudden use this skill that Paul has had the whole time that you've never really used before because it's unpredictable (laughs) Um, (laughs) on the final boss. But then I finally checked the strategy guide after fighting Gygus for like 20 minutes and not doing anything. And I saw, oh, you're supposed to pray. Okay. Well, I tried it. And then you start getting these little cutscenes, and all of the rest of the characters are suddenly praying for you. And then you start to get this piece by piece little so somebody is praying for you, but it doesn't tell you who it is. But then because the game cleverly had you put in your name as the player about midway through, it says that you, the player, are praying for Ness and his friends. And that was the first time I'd ever seen any game do anything like that. And I think because of that, that and the fact that I was playing it through together with a really good friend of mine, and we were both like on our knees pretending to pray at that point when we saw that. <laughs> uh, it was just a really cool experience, and I will, I will never forget that one. Yeah, that's a really cool one. All right. Uh, what are you going to be playing for your penultimate song, your your lieutenant, as it were, before we get to the final, final boss tracks? <laughs> well, my last track, I think it only fitting to leave off with. So I'm going to be playing my second-to-last song, which is going to be from Bug Fables, Transcending, Overpowering, Everlasting.
that was Transcending, Overpowering, Everlasting from Bug Fables, The Everlasting Sapling, composed by Tristan Ulrich and released by Dongan Entertainment, developed by Moonsprout Games, for a lot of different platforms in 2019. This was one I wasn't sure if you had played before. I know you brought several Bug Fables tracks, but I don't think we've played this one. If anybody knows the show better than I do and I'm wrong, please let me know. <laughs> this is cool stuff though, man. This is... It's funny because I think this is the most recent game on the list, but this is really classic boss music. Probably because Tristan Ulrich was inspired by a lot of the same stuff that I grew up with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do really like the... Um, I don't know what that rhythm is called, but... It's where you put a dotted quarter note, and then another dotted quarter note, and then a quarter note. So it goes do, do, do. It's kind yeah, of a syncopated rhythm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just, it's syncopation. Uh, there may be an official term for it, but if there is, I don't remember what it is. <laughs> yeah. So talk a little about this track and why you like the song so much, and then tell us a little about this this final boss that your your little not Paper Mario bug trio fights at the end. Yeah. Well, I never actually beat Bug Fables. I might get back into it at some point, but as it stands, I just kind of left it pretty near the end game. I like this track a lot. I first heard it back in, like, I think my sophomore year when... I was composing my final boss theme, and RJ told me to take a look at the final boss theme from Bug Fables, because that was kind of along the lines he was thinking. So I took a look at it, and it was really good. Uh, I like all the boss fights from Bug Fables. His friends call him Spooter is one that comes to mind. But this is yep. just an incredible battle theme. I love it so much. And have you beaten this game? I said, no, I have not beaten this game. I was totally listening. Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Turnabout's fair play, I guess, after the last 72 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then I guess no spoilers on exactly how this one goes down, but we will, we will find out eventually. It is a, a really fantastic track, though. And so I don't really have much to say on this next one so i'm gonna have to go look up what the recommender mentioned when it was brought to my attention uh this is maybe the most obscure track on the list tonight we're going to listen to final boss which i've also seen called are you the true form of darkness from the game mystic arc this was a Super Famicom game exclusively released in Japan, and this track was composed by Akihiko Mori.
That was Final Boss from Mystic Arc, composed by Akihiko Mori for the Super Famicom, released by Enix before the merger with Square in 1995. And this was recommended to me by uh, one of our followers on Twitter, at Red McKnight. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Current name is Stuart Compact Disc Sullivan. And after my uh, my shout-out, asking for recommendations for this episode, he said, I've got a few in mind, but let's go with Wicked Heart's theme from Mystic Arc. Uh, Wicked Heart being the final boss of this game. And I had a little trouble finding that particular track because, again, with Japanese names, I... It was just hard. I couldn't. I couldn't research it enough to find out what was the theme for this this person. And so, um, Stuart sent me a link, and from there I was able to find it, and said that uh, the proper name is "Are You the True Form of Darkness?" or something like that. Uh, you'll find it's very much a variety song, not unlike "Dancing Mad" from Final Fantasy VI. And I think I know what he means by that after listening to it. What did you think of this track, Shukapat? I think it was very SNES RPG final boss. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Why do you say that? Dig into that a little bit. It sounds a lot like the old Final Fantasy games, stuff like Star Ocean, Tales of Fantasia. Mm. A lot of what Namco and Square were doing back in the day. Because it's that kind of grand, sweeping, but still driving theme with that like SNES orchestra kind of thing. And it had the several kind of several different sections in it, like like Stuart mentioned. Yeah. Which is stuff a lot of those games also have in their music. Yeah. Stuart mentioned Dancing Mad. Um, another one of our followers actually recommended Dancing Mad and I said that uh, I, I was really sorry, but I, I didn't think that I was going to be playing the entirety of Dancing Mad on my um, 60 to 90 minute podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. But, but I will say Dancing Mad is probably the magnum opus of final boss themes. Uh, of course, the theme of Kafka from Final Fantasy VI, known here in the States as Final Fantasy III when it first came out. Uh, but I am glad we got to play this other one that reminded another gamer of Dancing Mad in the way it kind of bounces around from section to section. This was really cool. So thank you, uh, Stuart, for recommending that. Uh, anything else about the track or um, old RPG music before we get into your final pick, Shukapal? No, it's pretty cool. That's about all that I got to say. Well, I am excited about this last one. Uh <laughs> We are going to, um, I'm sure we're going to, I'm sure you're going to have some things to say about it. This is one I have not experienced in game, but of course it is one that I have heard time and again. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just let you lead us in and I'm ready to listen to it. All right. Well, last up, I have the final boss theme from Sonic Adventure 2, Live and Learn.
absolute banger. <laughs> yes, it is. Yep. And uh, I had to play it all the way through. That that finisher is really cool stuff. Yep. Um, I will talk about my uh, experience with this track, but first, get into it, man. Why, out of all of the final boss tunes out there, why this one from the game that from a game that came out before you were born that you've never played? <laughs> I remember hearing it in the final scene of the Sonic Adventure Two Final Story fan dub. And I was like, I mean, I, I knew thought about it, it might of have course, something to do with that, <laughs> but it's it's a really cool theme. And by the way, the Sonic fan dubs are hilarious. You should definitely go watch them if you don't mind excessive amounts of profanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty hilarious. I will give you that. Yeah. So, in the in the fan dubs. <laughs> What is happening when this music is playing? Supersonic and Super Shadow, who canonically are covered in piss at this moment, uh, are fighting the Bio-Wizard in space, who is... It, this whole final sequence is very, like... It's an innuendo. The last, like, 10-15 minutes of the fan dub are just an innuendo. Okay, well then... Since this is a family show, maybe don't get too deep into it. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So two Super Saiyan hedgehogs uh, fighting a big giant monster in space. I, th- I think I think that that's probably enough for most people to visualize this. What do you think? If Shadow has fifteen apples, and Amy gives him another sixteen, and Tails takes away three, my question is. What is the total mass of the sun? As Obama told me, it's three. You figured it out! <laughs> you just totally peaked, man. <laughs> yup. Kidding, you cut out. Bro, that was... That was... That was something. Okay. So, my experience with Live and Learn... Because <laughs> I did not make it to the end of Sonic Adventure 2, uh, although I did play through quite a bit of it. It's, uh, I did experience Escape from the City in, in the first uh, in-game. And uh, Ruben, shout out to, to my buddy who I played through a lot of this game with. But yeah, we didn't make it to the end. So the first time I actually heard this song, because this was back before you could just go on YouTube it was back before YouTube back before you could go on YouTube and just listen to the OST of a game so if you didn't get to it in the game chances are you didn't hear it well the first time I heard it was in a trailer that was not for a Sonic game you see I had only up to that point the only game that had come out in the Super Smash Bros. series was the original Super Smash Bros. on the N64 but I had been hearing rumors about another Smash game. No, Melee had come out as well. This was a few years after that, that's right, because I got Melee around the same time as I got Sonic Adventure 2. So I'd played those two games, loved, loved Melee. Ruben and I poured so many hours into that game, uh, but I never owned it. Still, to this day, have not owned Melee. So if anybody out there has a copy and you want to give it to us, hit me up. Um, <laughs> but there were whispers of a new game coming out and a couple of trailers had been released this was when sakurai started giving us character reveal trailers and i had seen pits and wario and zero suit samus and meta knight and a solid snake 
And Solid Snake was a big deal, because this was the first time a third-party character had been announced for a Super Smash Bros. game. And so a lot of people were thinking, is it going to happen? Are we finally going to get to see this? And sure enough, there was a trailer with a fast-moving screen, the sound of rapidly running feet, and then Mario uh, kicking a few enemies, and then you cut back to the fast-moving fast moving screen, and then a zoom-in on those iconic red and white shoes. And then all of a sudden, Mario gets knocked <laughs> out of the picture, and you hear, Sonic's the name, speeds my game. And you see a bunch of different scenes of gameplay footage of Sonic in Super Smash Bros. Brawl and Live and Learn is playing in the background. So that was wow. my first experience with this track. <laughs> Crazy. It was the coolest thing ever. And uh, I knew at that point, as soon as this game came out, I was going to get it and I was going to play hours of it. And I did. Uh, you don't remember this because Absolute you were... Game. Less than three, you were like two and a half at the time this game came out. But yeah, that game being Smash Bros. Brawl, not uh, not Sonic Adventure 2. You were, you know, like negative <laughs> six years old when this came out. But <laughs> yeah, man, fantastic track, dude. Really good stuff. All right. Well, uh, we started this with a back-to-back feature of Nobuo Uematsu. And considering how many final boss tracks Uematsu has composed, I don't think it's <clears throat> that crazy for us to finish out with one as well. Uh, and I was wrong. Uh, Transcending Overpowering Everlasting from Bug Fables is not the most recent track. This one actually is, and I had, I had forgotten about it. I don't know how, though, because I have fallen in absolute love with this soundtrack. I think that it is the best thing Uematsu has ever done front to back. Uh, it is likely to be his last full soundtrack, uh, like solo work. He has said so uh, in interviews. Uh, so I'm sure we'll see him again um, in like here and there in cameos, kind of like what Chikondo has done. But he said this is probably going to be his last full game. And I encourage everyone to go out and listen to the full soundtrack of Fantasian. This was a mobile game released in 2021 by Mistwalker Studios, which was founded by um, Uematsu's old friend and uh, the director of the first Final Fantasy games, uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi. And from Fantasian, uh, recommended to us by friend and listener, Inspector Spectre, we are going to listen to Rebirth which he calls the unholy love child of One-Winged Angel and the Smash Brothers Brawl theme. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was Rebirth from Fantation, composed by Nobuo Uematsu. Shukapao, what did you think of that? That was epic. <laughs> Fantastic track. Man, it, you know, you're, you're not so sure about it when it first starts out. You're like, ooh, this is harsh and grating, and I don't know if I like this. But then as it gets into it, you're just like, oh, man, this is so good. Which is really perfect for a final boss theme, because it's not supposed to be an enjoyable experience <laughs> at first. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's supposed to be enjoyable, but it's not necessarily supposed to be pleasant, you know, when you're fighting the final yeah. boss. So I have no idea what this, like, is like in-game, because, I mean, it's a mobile game. But... I am really glad that Inspector Spectre, or at Beardspec on Twitter, recommended this because, I, for whatever reason, I just had not even thought about bringing Fantasian to the fold on this game. Uh, or on this episode, rather. But super glad I did. Um, he also met, rep, recommended a couple of other tracks. Um, I did limit this one to one per person. Um, but uh, just really... Really great stuff. And of course, there's no shortage of excellent final boss tracks out there. So before we wrap things up, uh, we've talked about some of our favorite final boss experiences. Do you have any final boss themes that we didn't get to play in this episode that you would like to give an honorable mention to? I would like to mention the Titan Dweevil theme. As previously as previously said, it's a boss theme, a boss fight that was very memorable. And the theme was pretty good, too. Yeah, I would also again like to mention the final boss theme from Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. Uh, that is a really, really great track. My favorite Bowser track, and there are a lot of, there's a lot of good Bowser music out there. I guess maybe uh, a runner-up would be the grand finale from Mario & Luigi, also called In the Final. But we've played that one on the show. Let me see, what are some other ones? There's one other one that just came to mind a second ago, and then I already forgot it again. Oh, uh, Taboo's theme from Smash Bros. Brawl is a really, really great theme. Mm, yeah. I actually, I hadn't thought about it much in a long time, and then we did a villain uh, showdown on VGM Fight Club with uh, The Last Recon, and... Um, I brought Taboo's theme, and I was going to bring a cover of it, but then in the end, I just I just brought the original because it's it's really stinking fantastic. So, any other honorable mentions on your end? Uh, nope, that's about it for me. Cool. Well, you played quite a few classics on this episode, and it's been a lot of fun going through this again with you. Uh, as we come into our next episode, well, the last two episodes are going to kind of go hand in hand um we're they are separate episodes we're recording them separately but at the end of a game after you beat the final boss you often encounter uh, a cutscene, or even just like a, a solo a single image and maybe some text that goes across the screen but you experience an, an ending of the story that you've been playing and then after the ending is when the credits roll so I thought it only fitting to give both of those experiences in the game their own episode. So our next one is going to be All's Well That Ends Well, or ending themes in video games. Do you have any ideas for what you're going to be bringing to that, Shukabao? Yes, I do. Yep, I've got a few ideas too, and 
I am uh, yeah, I'm excited. We're coming up on episodes 74 and 75, and an appropriate place, I think, to uh, to wrap the show up. But we're not there just yet. But, you know, we've both mentioned a few things up at the top of the show. Do you have anything else that you would like to plug or anything you want to talk about? Yeah, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Shoot Kapow. It'll be in the show notes, but if you go to look it up, it's the second one, the one that has less subscribers because I lost my password and have no way of getting it back. Ah, yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah, everybody go and support the new channel. And uh, I don't have anything else to recommend that I haven't already talked about, so... Oh yeah, follow me on Twitter, at ShootKapow, and also on Flat.io, at Irving for Smash, where I compose music. Anyway, yeah, plugging done. <laughs> and you can find me on uh, Twitter, at BGMPod. You can uh, go there and check out my other shows. I've got BG Mania with Brian. I have The Movie Bar with The Dyad. And I don't think I do anything else online. Um, I also am running the Masters of VGM at Masters of VGM Twitter, where I really just repost uh, any cool VGM stuff that I find while we're in between Masters of VGM events. But don't do a whole lot else. It's been uh, kind of a nice slow season for me. Now I'm going to have to edit this episode again. But (laughs) the last one didn't take too long, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, I guess if that's going to be it, then... Until next time, play very good games, be very good people, and keep listening to very Very good good music. Just in case I didn't get my point across, I'm the boss. That was overpowering. No, that was. <laughs> that was an entry into the blooper reel. Yeah. That was transcending. <laughs> no. Okay, third time's a charm. <laughs> you need a cough drop. Some of my coffee went down the wrong tube. (coughs) (coughs) Apparently quite a bit of my coffee. (laughs) Um, Real quick side note. uh, Can you... You are recording, right? Like your audacity is recording. Just occurred to me to have you check. Okay, cool. (laughs) I would hate to get more than 30 minutes into the episode and find out that something's not working right. I've been there before. trash can fell over. Nothing spilled though. We're good. <laughs> <laughs>